welcome to the Vince Vonathon. My name is Patrick. My name is Taylor. And I have a question for you, Taylor. Let's hear it, Patrick. I could not, for the life of me, come up with a question that had anything to do with this week's show, True Detective Season 2. We're watching every single Vince Vaughn movie, some Vince Vaughn shows, episodes, documentaries, things like that. This is one of the shows I could not think of a single freaking question that had anything to do with this show. I don't know if it's me or that the show just doesn't really open itself up to that. So I'm picking something totally random. I'm going to let you tell a story. Tell the folks at home the story of how you got your cats. <laughs> okay. Um, the cats he is referring to are my sweet baby angels, Mac and Macy. Macy, of course, named after teen mom superstar Macy, like, Bushnell or something. <laughs> I can't remember her last name. Uh, she had the adorable um, little boy um, Bentley, who made Bentley the most insufferably used constantly name for, like, the next five years. Um, but whatever. Love that queen. Named my cat after her. So, my mom grew up with a lot of cats. Um, she had two cats when she lived in Columbia, North Carolina. And when she had to move back home to Virginia Beach, she could not take the cats with her because my grandfather said she could not have them in the house. Well, her brother-in-law said, I'm going to kill the cats if you don't bring them back because that's what people do on, like, farms. They don't care necessarily about animals as pets. They're just cats. And my mom was like, Daddy, please, 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 can I bring these cats home? My grandpa said yes. And my grandpa became obsessed with cats. And he would go on his lunch breaks at work to um, adopt cats and, like, leave the fucking receipts on the counter and then be like, I just found it on the side of the road. Like, it just had to come home. And then they started mating. And my mom had, like, 15 cats at one point that were, like, indoor-outdoor cats. Um, one cat had a litter in the back seat of her, of her brand-new car. Um, I mean, the whole kit and caboodle. So, my mom had a lot of cats growing up, which means I had a lot of cats growing up. I, I mean, not nearly, nearly to that extent, um, but when I was born, we had three cats, Tabitha, uh, Cinnamon, and, uh, Bam Bam. Bam Bam had a health issue, a long, long health issue that ended up taking her life when I was, like, a like in elementary school, um, and then Tabitha lived to be 19, and she finally died of old age, I think, I I think we put her down, because she just wouldn't die, and she was just making our lives a living hell, but my dad and I really fought for her to live for as long as possible, um, and then Cinnamon, Cinnamon was my boy, Cinnamon was a Maine Coon, and he was the last, no, I'm so sorry, I, I messed this timeline up, Bam Bam passed. Cinnamon passed at 22. Tabitha was still alive. Cinnamon passed randomly. I just, he was just an old man. He was 20, like 20 fucking two. He was super old. Um, he was my, my best friend. Uh, he loved me so much. I loved him. Uh, he wasn't a super affectionate cat, but he was to me and he was just my, my sweet angel. And, um, one day it was horrific. My mom, I, I just... He was laying under a table and couldn't move. He was paralyzed all of a sudden, just out of nowhere. And I was like, what the hell? 
and turns out he had like several blood clots in all of his limbs and we had to put him down that day and it was just I mean it it shattered me it was not ready for that and then for a year we had Tabitha who was just miserable (laughs) I mean she she was rough in her last couple years of life and I started to get to thinking we needed some new blood And I started begging my mom and begging my mom and begging my mom and begging my mom for a kitten. And I don't know how, but I convinced her. And we, I go online and I go to this rescue and I see this sweet little creamsicle beige colored Maine Coon kitten. Reminded me of Cinnamon because he was a Maine Coon. And I was like, that's it. Like, I need her. Like, she is my cat. We go to the rescue and I'm like, I refuse to hold other cats. I pick up the cat that I picked out. And keep in mind, I can very much back out at this point. Like, like I have decided that she's my cat. We have not communicated this. I pick her up and this bitch attacks me. I mean, she's like, t- like four weeks old and thrashing, meowing, does not want to be held. And I was like, no, I want her. And my mom was like, are you sure you want her? She doesn't seem like a cat that you would like to have. And I was like, no, I want her. Meanwhile, the sweetest little boy who is not related to any of those cats, but is being nursed by the same mom is climbing upside down like fucking spider pig trying to get my attention. And I'm, like, side-eyeing him, like, you're so cute. You clearly want to be loved and held, and this ta- this cat is attacking me. <laughs> I feel like I should have you, but I've already made my conscious decision that I'm going to have her, so, like, I'm not backing out. Like, I-, I have made this decision to have this little sweet orange cat. We go home, and because Tabitha is still alive, and Tabitha is a crazy bitch, we decide, my mom and I decide, it's best that our kittens or that sorry I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself that our kitten stays in a cage during the night so that Tabitha can't attack it um or like hurt her anyway and um that's what my mom says I think since it's gonna have to stay in a cage it should have a friend and I was like say fucking less get that woman on the phone I know who I want and that's when I adopted my second cat Mac who um, was the little guy climbing all over the cage. And thank God I did. Because I love Macy. She's my she's my sweet little girl. She's, I mean, she's not a fun cat to have. Like, she's she minds to herself. She's super aloof. She's not very affectionate. She doesn't do anything wrong, but she's just, like, a boring cat. Like, I would feel very unsatisfied if I only had Macy. But because I also have Mac, Mac is, like, the sweetest most cuddly and like he's so fun he plays with Macy all the time and they're just the best duo I love them so much I miss them so much thanks for letting me share about them oh I also have to share if you're if you're wondering (laughs) so I named Macy after a teen mom if you're wondering how I got the name Mac it is after super Mac 18 on YouTube all right guys that's our show see you next week um no Wow, that I should have known you would go for seven minutes. Um, thanks for that, Taylor. Thank you for not interrupting me, Patrick. How could I? Uh, True Detective season two. We uh, said that we're not really gonna do a bunch of like Vince's television appearances um, because 
it's not what the show is. It's not a television show. It's a filmography show. And you could really fall down a rabbit hole of, like, appearances on this talk show. And, like, if you're really trying to, like, completely cover everything, we use some of that stuff for research. It's obviously not full episode worthy. This, however, um, we felt was important for a long time because it's a real turning point in his career. Same uh, year as Unfinished Business. And we talked a lot of shit about Unfinished Business last week. And it's really interesting to see in Unfinished Business where we talked about it really seems like Vince is checked out. And he's kind of over it and we're over him being over it. And this whole bit in the same year, later that year, uh, he takes a turn and he does this dramatic part and he joins this um, really well-respected uh, an intense crime anthology on HBO, True Detective, which season one just blew people out of the water. Um, and, you know, he, he hops on for the highly anticipated season two. We didn't watch season one. Uh, number one, uh, time. You know, it's not that easy to, to add another thing to our plate. But also because the consensus online is that season one is one of the greatest seasons of television of all time and maybe we'll go back and watch watch it i'm a big mcconaughey fan it's probably likely that we'll watch it one day however we wanted this to be about um vince and his sort of career trajectory change and less the uh common dialogue about true detective season two online which is it's not as good as season one so we just watched season two and as someone who's a big fan of the Fargo TV show, I got to say, like, this kind of thing, right up my alley. Let's take a bunch of celebrities, uh, well-known A-listers, uh, well-respected actors, and make them do something different and turn it on their head and take the super likable Rachel McAdams and make her super unlikable, right? You get the idea. And in this case, giving Vince a chance to act do some real acting really get into it something we haven't seen in a very long time and i gotta say it above all really just made me pine for a different career for vince vaughn because this guy can do it and whether it was up to him or not to do these schlubby frat pack comedies for you know 15 years uh, it's a shame because this show shows and i'm sure some of our upcoming movies that do a similar thing will show that this guy knows how to act. Yeah, and just to be clear, um, the in case you don't know, the um, seasons of True Detective aren't they don't uh, they're totally separate. Like they're their own thing. So we didn't just like not watch season one because it's great and we didn't want it to live up to it. Like it's totally separate. So like don't think that we just like we're missing information or whatever. Uh, Vince only appears in season two and that's what we watched. Um yeah, I mean, the dude's got it. I mean, he he's just he's just got it. He has got the acting bug. It is so natural for him. I mean, you see that in Swingers when he's a literal baby and he's he's still got it. He has this star quality. He has this captivating, you know, presence anytime he's on your screen. And he just spent so long doing schluck. And, 
you you watch this and you go like it's like riding a bike for him you know you would have thought that he had been doing these roles and perfecting this craft for all of those 15 years and he wasn't he's just he was just able to show up and do the damn thing he's incredibly captivating in this he has great chemistry with everyone he's with he takes it really seriously and it's so nuanced i mean he's it's he's a super unlikable character that's almost impossible to dislike because he's so and not in his typical like fast talky vince von charming way like that he always does it's not that shtick he just he creates this super fleshed out character and i'll be honest i don't know that the show does the greatest job at fleshing these people out uh, as much as they could. Like, I think that a lot of the work is on the stellar cast. And, I mean, he, he does not go unnoticed uh, with, you know, also, you know, battling for screen time with Rachel McAdams and, and I almost said Colin Firth, um, Colin Farrell. Like, he he's with some heavy hitters, and he is holding his own. He's doing this kind of Michael Corleone thing here because he plays uh, this character um, whose name is Frank, and Frank is, you know, he's a mobster, right? Um, and his partner, uh, Casper, um, winds up dead one day. And the issue is that um, Casper was kind of the um, the guy making it happen legitimately, right? The reason why I say Michael Corleone is because Vince wants his operation to become legitimate. And he wants to be more than just a gangster, more than just a mobster. He wants to be like a legitimate tycoon. And he uses this city manager business partner, Casper, to make him legitimate. Casper's got all the money right now. And when Casper winds up dead, Vince starts working with some of the detectives, uh, Colin Farrell, Rachel McAdams, Taylor Keach, um, to kind of get their money, kind of get his money back, you know, and kind of figure out what happened. And um, he's still on this never sort of, never-ending quest to make his business legitimate. And I I would watch like a billion more Vince crime roles, mobster roles. Like if that had been his career and we had gotten this, this drama him, which I'm like super excited for over the next couple weeks, instead of, of beer belly him, um, this would obviously be a totally different show but i think just like there's a parallel dimension here there's another timeline here where this guy is like an all-timer dude like he's got the ability and if he had been doing the reps this whole time and um you know doing this i'm not i'm not gonna go as far to say pacino de niro hackman kind of deal but he gives me that like 70s vibe of like he is gritty he's legitimate he's not putting on a show he's just that you know and i think um i'm not gonna put him on that mount rushmore like that's obviously crazy he did do the beer belly thing for a long time but i think that you would consider him like a legitimate like disciple of some of these guys um, if, if his career had gone another way. And yeah, this, I mean, we've been, I, I have been pulling on this guy for a long time. You know, when we reran the psycho episode and maybe he wasn't the, the best fit for psycho, but at least it was like a genre thing, you know, and it was different and it was acting. And I, I kind of, um, 
we always knew it was there. And this definitely shows it, and I'm sure a bunch of the upcoming movies are going to show up. He's got the timing, right? He's got the personality. He's got all these things he can do in the comedy, and he can do more. Yeah, I feel like he... I mean, he just nails it. He just nails it. And I could spend, you know, my entire life wondering what could have been if he had not spent all that time trudging through the same story, comedy, ha, ha, over and over again. You know, like, what could he have done? Would he have made a Broadway dramatic debut? Like, who knows? Like, the the the, the sky would, is the limit for him in terms of his ability. Um... But he just didn't do that. And we, I, I, like Patrick said, we'll never know why. We'll never know what could have been. But it is just amazing seeing how effortlessly he picks this back up. And you realize that like it was always there. It was always within him. And I feel like for someone who is such a, you know, and I'm going to just like assume here for a second. But for someone who is clearly such a naturally, just viscerally talented actor... I mean, you got to try to be bad. You do. I mean, like, that... How do you... How are you just bad if you're that good? And so I just feel like that's where we get into that. Did he or did he not choose those roles? Was he just kind of in a funk? Was he just sticking around? Did he just like the paychecks? Like, Because I don't see how the guy who was in... Lay the, the favorite. favorite. Yeah, I was say. <laughs> That's the character that I'm thinking of, the Lay the Favorite character. And listen, I liked him in that movie. I liked that movie just fine. But he's really just straight up farting around in that movie. You know, it's it's interesting. That's the same guy. Yeah, I was. that was literally coming out of my mouth when you say that, Lay the Favorite. Because, like, don't get me wrong, I liked him in Delivery Man. Like, I know that that movie is not, you know, creme de la creme, top tier, top tier filmmaking, but... I liked him in that movie. I feel like that movie honestly was a little bit of a shift where you start seeing like, oh yeah, like this guy can act. Like, yeah, is it partially comedic? Yes. Is it, you know, partially kind of, you know, crazy storytelling? Yes. But I mean, he's, he's selling the hell out of this dinky movie. You know, he, he really was captivating in Delivery Man. And, um, you know, of course there are the wedding crashers, you know, every, like, what is the saying? It's just like, um every just like if you do so many things you're gonna be good at something eventually you know and like you get the wedding crashers and you get the breakups and he's great in those but he is doing a a version of what he does and everything else he just has variations of doing them well and doing them not very well and um this shows that he can go even beyond the things that he does sort of well like he can be great and I don't use that term lightly. Like, he can be great. It's definitely, like, um, dismissive of us in a way to be like, yeah, 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 he can do comedy, but can he act? You know, because, like, comedies are really hard and probably may, maybe even the hardest thing, you know. However, he has that natural charisma, that natural timing that we saw in those early movies he understands those rhythm, those rhythms and those beats, and he's just likable in a way that he, I don't want to say it's effortless. I'm sure there were a lot of times where he worked his ass off, right? It seems effortless. That's his lane, 
right? And so a challenge for him is to do the more dramatic stuff, right? We saw some of the psychos. We saw some of the cool dry places, right? It wasn't this. It wasn't um, long form, number one. It wasn't gritty. It wasn't, um, I guess Psycho was in a way, but Psycho's also just this bizarre project where you're copying something else, you know? Um, it wasn't that sort of intensity that this kind of thing requires, the kind of intensity that, Colin Farrell brings when he comes on set every day, right? And so, you know, for the Colin Farrells, he's not a great example because he is really funny, but for a guy that you would imagine like him, it's going to be harder to do some of the comedy stuff, right? And that would be a stretch. You think of this dramatic stuff as a stretch for Vince, and we would go, yeah, yeah, but can't he do this other thing? And yeah, he can totally do it. Like, he's just so great in the show. Like, I, I don't know how else to put it. Like, you you think about that, that his, his death scene. Right? You watch this death scene, spoiler alert, whatever, should have watched it. And I kind of want to watch season one now, like I said. Because if I like Fargo and I liked this and this is like the crappy season, I'm sure the show is really great early on. Um, that death scene, uh, he's out in the desert. He's staring at his wife. He looks, you just went like, God, he looks like shit. Yeah, we talk about his flop era in terms of his look. That is, I mean, just, ugh. <laughs> I get the heebie-jeebies. He looks horrible in that scene. But he's doing it, you know. He looks horrible, and he's and he's committed to it. And he is really just like he's acting his ass off, and he's doing something that's a stretch for him, and he's doing something that he really has to has to put in the work for, and that's awesome. Like we've been pulling on him for a long time. Like the dilemma was a truly terrible, terrible movie, and he's not. He should not be opposite movies Kevin James. He should be opposite movies and shows where people like Colin Farrell and, and Rachel McAdams because um, he can do it. And, you know, running this Twitter page where I'm reading all these Vince Vaughn tweets and every time somebody tweets out Vince Vaughn, I see it, right? And there's a lot of people that go like, I just didn't like Vince Vaughn in season two of True Detective because it was nothing like him. Like I've, seen, I've been seeing it for like a year now, right? And um, now that we've finally seen it, I go like, yeah, well, he's acting, you know, <laughs> like he's, that means that he's really good because you've always liked him. You've always thought he was super charismatic. And in this, he's like a crime boss syndicate shithead. And you're like, yeah, it just doesn't work. No, it totally works. It works so well that you just don't like it. Yeah, if it makes you uncomfortable how well someone is doing, how how well they br they naturally break against type, that means that they're killing it you know and I, I mean I couldn't agree more I feel like people see him as this comedy factory and for good reason he did that for most of his career up until this point and also in some of his producing work and some of the things we've seen more recently potential that he's kind of like I don't want to say falling back on that but yeah, he's kind of flirting with it you know like producing uh, a Christmas story to Christmas story or whatever it's called. Right. Like he's not in this movie, but like, that's an easy thing for him. It's an easy thing to go back to his buddy, Peter Billingsley, who's going to direct next week's movie. And it's going to be, although it's a, an action film, it looks, it's not going to be kind of the same quality. I would assume um, it's easy to go back to buddy, Peter Billingsley and like do the comedy and do the sequel and produce and like, yeah, kind of fall back on that stuff. Um, I forgot what my point of that was. 
Um, but yeah, like, he's known as this comedy guy. Maybe he even continues to like this comedy ride. But I, Patrick and I have always been of the belief that he's not this comedy guy. I know that he, I, I understand. You present me with the facts. He did it for most of his career. But Patrick and I have just always felt like that wasn't him. And maybe it was legitimately him for part of that time. But you just can't convince me that that's all that that man was capable of. Clearly, it's not. And so I understand that there are always going to be, you know, the comedy evangelists out there. The people who love that genre of movie and and have not moved past it. And that's fine. I'm happy that people love those movies still today. I, ho- I I'm, I'm happy that people found a pocket of, of filmmaking that, that speaks to them. That's awesome. But I just feel like he was always capable of so much more, and and this is just total proof of that. We had this hypothesis at the beginning of this show, like, okay, he's going to do some crazy random crap early on, figure out who he is. He's going to ride that comedy thing for a long time. That's going to sputter out, and then he's going to reinvent himself. And he's going to prove, and we were trying to show it a lot early on when we were seeing things like The Cell and... Um, a cool dry place and return to paradise. He's going to prove that he can do that after he does the years of comedy. Right. And for us, that was months of comedy. It was like all throughout the summer and like half the fall is us doing a lot of the great ones really early old school wedding crashers breakup ones that we really liked. And then it does that. It sputters out, right? You hit the, uh, the dilemmas, uh, you hit the couples retreats and I started to go, I think that I was wrong. I think that I was wrong. No, I think he's actually kind of, um, uh, I don't want to say a hack, but I think he's, uh, he doesn't care. You know, we said all these things early on about like, this guy cares so much and he cares about this script and he really cares about making this project as good as he can. And then we watched the wedding crash. We watched wedding crashes with the commentary and he's like, yeah, I show up late every day. Except right. Cities. Right. And then there's like 10 more years of that. And I was like, yeah, I think I was wrong. Like maybe I've, I've gone down the wrong path here. And then you watch Detective and you go, I knew it. <laughs> I knew this guy knew how to act. And although some of the projects that we have left may be, I mean, listen, we saw some of the Christmas movies left. You know, is he going to be brilliant in Fred Claus? Maybe not. He's going to do the Vince Vaughn thing, right? But like, we knew it. We knew it from the beginning. And um, with, despite only having kind of seen like freaky in this era, we were. Um, we were on it, I think. We called it. Yeah, it's it's really exciting because I think back to baby Patrick and Taylor who started this project so excited at what was to come. And I think about, you know, the way in which we could dissect even the worst of low-budget films and um, be able to pull so much, like, rich content out of that in terms of, like, evangelizing him almost in a way of just, like, do you guys see it? Like, do you see it? Okay, I know this movie was so bad. I would never wish in a million years that you watched this movie. But if you do watch this movie, you can see it, right? Like, you can see the gears. The locust. Yeah, you can see the gears turning, and you can see the, the things working, and you can see this attempt, and you can see this chemistry. And, like, there were just so many pieces to pull out. And it's not that we got fatigued in saying those compliments. We were not, we were not, you know, just tired of repeating the same things over again, over and over again. He stopped showing them. He legitimately stopped showing his ability. He showed up, he got his paycheck, and he clocked out. 
and I also got really scared. I was like, we used to praise him so highly. We used to have so much to say. For a while, I was like, are we just bad podcast hosts? Like, are we just, you know, over it and we have nothing else to say? But I look at True Detective and I look at the dilemma and I go, no, we didn't run out of things to say. He ran out of things to give us. He ran out of things to give us. Like, he was not doing anything spectacular. And, um, you know, no shade to, to Vince, as Julia Fox said today on TikTok. Um, first and foremost, I'm about that bag. And maybe he was just about that bag. And good for, like, whatever. But we were right. We're always right. <laughs> about everything. Uh, anything else you want to add about the show or anybody on the show or, or anything before we wrap it up? Um, Colin Farrell is very much, he is like one, one step above that guy from that thing for me. Like I haven't seen him in too much, but I, he's very recognizable. I know that, that that's Colin Farrell. Um, he was great in this, uh, so hot, but also just really, really great, really captivating, um, really interesting and just a treat to watch. Rachel McAdams. Rachel McAdams is one you know that I love. I know you love Rachel McAdams as well, and uh, she's a similar one who does a lot of. I I I wouldn't say that she has fallen quite as deep in that in that Vince rabbit hole, but she you know she signed in for her paycheck every now and then. Um, she did a lot of you know the Notebooks and the Mean Girls and um uh Game Night and which Game Night is that movie's freaking brilliant. Yeah, the game that Game Night is fucking awesome like never ever lump game night into anything other than top tier cinema but anyways um you know Rachel McAdams is another one like she I think put herself out of her comfort zone with this and it was really awesome to see I mean they just all they all did such a great job no one was you know kind of the shining star or outshined each other like I mean they just really it was I don't even think it's meant to really be an ensemble show but they made it feel like an ensemble show I've fallen down the Colin Farrell rabbit hole. He'd be a very interesting uh, filmography person to do. We will not do that. <laughs> but one of you guys can. Um, a lot of like, um, there are a lot of times, T, where you're, you're right. He's been like that guy, that thing, right? Like Total Recall remake, Artemis Fowl, Voyagers. He was like the adult on the ship in Voyagers. Like a lot of weird crap like that. But then you go like, yeah, but then, like, Roman J. Israel Esquire is a lot better than people thought it was. Um, Phone Booth is, like, a really great thriller. What the hell was the killing of the sacred deer? And then the stuff that he's done with Yorgos. Like, this is a guy who, he's made a bunch of different type of movies. Um, a lot of these uh, Martin McDonough movies, people love him in. But then it's also like, yeah, then he made Dumbo and Saving Mr. Banks. And people really split on Miami Vice and... What the hell was the imaginary of Dr. Parnassus? Like, that guy, that is a very career. That is not the Vince Vaughn problem of he did this, then he did this, then he did this. That guy's been crazy for a long time, and I've always liked him. And, um, yeah, he's 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 really solid in this. Obviously, love Rachel McAdams. Um, everybody, like, if this is the poopy season, listen, I don't think the show was brilliant. I think it was a good good season of television. Um, if if you like the show, you've never seen Fargo, watch Fargo. I think Fargo's better. However, apparently True Detective Season 1, the the most brilliant eight episodes of all time, and uh, it'll definitely be uh, on our ever-expanding watch list, maybe when we get a break from some Vince Vaughn movies. Yeah, very exciting. Um, 
What a treat. What are we watching next next week, Patrick? Term Life, uh, directed by his buddy Peter Billingsley. It's like an action movie. It's like he's trying to move into the drama thing. Maybe this is a little more low budget. Not not quite it yet. Um, and then, yeah, th- then we get into the role of like uh, Arkansas, Brawl on Cell Block 99, Dragged Across Concrete, like all those, like boom, 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 boom. At the end of the day, the Vonster's a simple guy. If Peter Billingsley's gonna have something to do with it, he's gonna be in it. What a what a bizarre friendship. Um, this show you can find. Hopefully, this is where you're listening to it. If you're not listening to it on your favorite podcast app of choice, where you've already rated it five stars, left it inside, left us a nice review. You're listening to it on futurepresentationvideo.com. That's uh, our home for everything. That's where we have Y two Kids, the show where we're watching shows and. Uh, movies and listening to music and eating candy and stuff from our childhood also our flagship podcast feature presentation that just comes out whenever we have something we want to talk about every review that we write every column that we write every list that we come up with everything is on futurepresentationvideo.com it's free you put in your email address we'll send you everything that we do uh, and uh, and yeah, you'll get it all delivered straight to you. You don't have to look for it. We will send it all to you. That's definitely the best way to do it. FuturePresentationVideo.com. The link is in the description if you are listening on Spotify, Apple, wherever. Thank you so much for listening. You can find me on Letterboxd at Taylor Malone, and you can find me on Twitter at MailerTalone. I'm Patrick J. Regal everywhere. The show is um, at Vonathon on Twitter. You can also, if you want to shoot us a message, you can leave a comment on, on this episode page, futurepresentationvideo.com. You can also send us an email, vincevonathon at gmail.com. Um, we're always looking for guests, people that want to join the show, join the conversation, reach out if that is you. All right, well, we'll see you next week for Term Life. See you then.